0: I was actually scared of my own success.
1: In terms of your fear of not being good enough, actually then my fear is to be successful because what if I get successful and I'm not good enough? What are your thoughts?
0: Two big things that all human beings deal with. And we're typically on the scale of either one or the other. I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough.
1: Welcome to the Dr. Espen podcast, where we explore the latest in quantum science, personal development, consciousness and spirituality, health, as well as business and money mastery. Join me as I interview experts from all over the world sharing the most incredible stories of transformation. This is where we provide you with the exact tools and coaching activities you need to expand your consciousness in each of the eight areas of your life. For more info on our events, programs, coaching, etc, go to drespen.com for the full quantum experience. Greetings and welcome everybody. Welcome to the Dr Espen podcast. I'm Espen. Today I'm joined by Nikki Sharp, two-time best-selling author, wellness expert and transformational coach. This is going to be an exciting conversation because today we're going to talk about how to find the balance between masculine and feminine energy, how you're not getting the results that you want in life, specifically helping you overcome that challenge. If you're feeling that you're not getting the results that you're after, and a lot of it's going to come down to this whole topic of self-sabotage. Nikki is an absolute expert in this field. She's been specializing in helping men and women uncover the root cause, which is, I think, a really important thing to discuss here, because a lot of the things that people deal with are often on the outside, the challenges and the symptoms of what's going on. And what I've done when I've studied Nikki is I've seen her really get to the root cause of what's going on for a lot of men and women. So stay tuned for that conversation. We're going to talk about self-sabotage, as I said, bad habits, emotional eating, codependency in relationships, and of course, the big one, which is a lack of self-love or a lack of being okay with who you are and how you're showing up in the world. Nikki has been doing this for a lot of years now with a lot of great results in her exercises and coaching, and she's also the host of a Sharper Life podcast. So I'm excited to dive deep. Nikki, good morning from Australia. How are you doing in Miami?
0: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Aspen. This is wonderful. What an intro. And I am really excited to talk about all of those things because they are all very passionate topics of mine.
1: Amazing. And just looking at some of the work that you've done, Nikki, you know, for example, your best-selling book, The Five Day Real Food Detox, I resonate with so much of it because as I just mentioned in the intro, I think a lot of your work really does get to the root cause of these issues. And I'd like to kind of start there because I see for me as a primary healthcare physician, for me as someone that's helped a lot of people in the clinical realm, I could not agree more with your message, specifically in the regards to how people are emotionally eating and how not necessarily deliberately self-destructive many people are, but how emotions play a really vital role in making decisions. So I'd like if we can start there in the work that you've done with thousands and thousands of people, helping them get to the best version of themselves. How would you say the emotions and or that root cause aspect of it plays a vital role in people wanting to change their lives?
0: Great question. And and clearly starting off with a bang here. I love it. <laughs> you know, when I work with clients, I always revert back to, I personally have been my best and worst client along the journey. And so when I say that, I know what it is that whoever is listening right now, like I know what you're going through. I know what emotions you're feeling, the frustrations, the you want to give up. And when we talk about emotional eating, it's a really interesting thing because like the food we eat has nothing to do with the food we eat. And let me explain that a little bit because some people get a little confused being like, right, but I made a decision to eat this healthy thing, or I made a decision to unfortunately make, you know, eat a not healthy thing. And so everything that we are doing is actually tied back to the subconscious mind. So the subconscious mind is 95% of our brain, and we don't know what's going on in that subconscious mind, which I like to refer to it as the back of the head. So you can't see the back of your head unless you have not one, but two mirrors. And so with that, when you're trying to get to a place of understanding why you do the things that you do or change a habit, change a behavior, emotional eating, whatever it might be. And it's not just emotional eating. I want to say like people find pleasure and we'll, I'm sure we'll go into this, the pain pleasure cycle. Mm. People go find pleasure in gambling, in shopping, in eating, in drinking, in tobacco, in drugs, And here's going to be an interesting one. We actually subconsciously find pleasure in negative thought patterns because it's familiar. And so what I help people do is understand why you do the things that you do. And so someone who's emotional eating, for example, well, firstly... If we change the way that you're eating, so you mentioned my five-day detox, if we change the way that you're eating, it actually clears the pathways and it gets rid of brain fog and it allows you to actually start to think about things differently. So that's why I say, rather than trying to change your life with these big grandiose things, let's just make it easy my detox for like, I'm not a massive cleansing detoxing fan because so many of them are smoothies and juices and very restrictive. Mine is completely opposite of that. It floods your body with nourishment, with nutrients. And because of that, you start to feel better. When you feel better, brain fog goes away. When you feel better, you're less bloated. When you feel better, you start to make better decisions. So within that very quick little micro change, then we can start to get to the inner root and understandings of why you're actually doing the things that you do. And so emotional eating, for example, goes back to the, anything you eat, what you eat has nothing to do with what, like the choices you're making. Those come from beliefs in your subconscious mind that you don't even know. So that's why people are not seeing the results. It's not that you need to start a new diet. It's that you need to understand why the last diet didn't work or the diet before that, or the one before that, does mm-hmm. that resonate at all?
1: Absolutely. And I think for our viewers and listeners, this really does get to the root cause because, I mean, I I realized for me before I started my intermittent fasting journey, for example, I will eat for eight hours and fast for 16. And what I realized for me was really incredible. When I started fasting, a lot of the emotions came up. A lot of the thoughts came up. And I didn't realize until I had fasted for and cleansed for a period of time that a lot of the decisions and the reasons why I was eating had nothing to do with food at all. It had a lot to do with the emotions and a lot to do with other types of patterns. So I think this is really key. I just want to reiterate what Nikki just said. It's not about the next one, but it's about why did the previous ones, the diets or whatever, not work? What's the root underlying cause? here and this is beautiful nikki i think this has a lot to do with human behavior as well and i just want to segue over to the trauma piece because i think then in this instance for many people watching and listening the trauma piece would be related to it as in if they are eating emotionally or are eating for comfort and it's not just eating it's the sugar and the alcohol and the tobacco and anything that does give that temporary high so how would someone know if they have trauma leading to self-destructive, potentially unconscious patterns? And if they do have trauma, how to go about healing it? What would you say to that, Nikki?
0: I love this question. So let's take a step back because trauma is one of these words that's thrown around all the time on Instagram. You can go and see someone saying like, trauma this, trauma that. Now, what is trauma? Trauma is unresolved emotions. Essentially, they got stuck in the body. What is emotion? It's energy and motion. So, something that happened when you were two years old, seven years old, 16 years old, and you did not have the tools yet to deal with that emotion. So, let's say whatever it is, something you got called a name from bullies or, you know, your mom didn't pick you up at the right time after school. So you felt abandoned as a little kid that gets stored as then unresolved emotion, emotion being, you know, either what we think good or bad in the body. And then until we learn to deal with it, it will stay in the body. So a lot of people who, well, I'm going to say everyone who is holding on to weight there is unresolved emotional trauma in yeah. the body. And so as we talk about this, this is, I guess, where I'll bring up kind of the pain pleasure thing. We all have pain in our life, whether it's physical pain. You might have pain in your neck. You might have pain, you know, some your lower back or your foot, but we also have pain emotionally, which is essentially discomfort, feelings that you just don't want to feel. So you got broken up with, that sucked. You don't really want to deal with it. So what do most people do? Well, you go to the ice cream, you eat that, or you throw yourself into work, or you throw yourself into just dating, finding someone new, because sitting with our own thoughts is scary. And why is it scary? Because it's uncertain. Humans like certainty. So, what do we do when there is pain? Pain being discomfort, discomfort in the body or discomfort in the mind, an emotional feeling. So, what happens is we have emotions. So, you might get angry, but then that actually turns into a feeling in the body. So, if you think about, you know, or like when you're stressed, where do you feel stress? I know for me, I get stressed in my lower back. So, That's why people mix up emotions and feelings. The emotion leads to the feeling. Sometimes the feeling leads to the emotion, but they're intertwined. And so we have pain, i.e. discomfort in the body. Now, humans do not like pain. We will do everything to avoid pain. And they've done this experiment that if you put a frog in boiling water, it will jump out immediately. Now, if you put a frog in water and you slowly turn up the temperature, it will not Jump out because it doesn't know. So when we recognize that there is that level of pain that we no longer can tolerate, i.e. you're going to jump out, humans then seek pleasure. And what do we do for pleasure? That's what I was saying. We do the gambling, the drinking, the X, Y, Z. And a lot of times it goes into either the numbing or distracting. So the numbing being something that will literally like numb you from the discomfort. The distracting side of it is throwing yourself into work or your to-do list or traveling. Like I used to travel so much and Mm. I learned that I was distracting myself because I didn't want to sit with myself. So when we go to from the discomfort or the pain and we seek pleasure, the pleasure when we go to that is very temporary. And typically it's something that will last. It gives us a dopamine hit very quickly, right? So if you smoke cigarettes, e-cigarette, you drink, you buy something, it's that immediate dopamine hit. The problem is when that goes away, typically you then feel guilty, giving you back to that circle of feeling that pain. So that's why people get stuck in that pain pleasure cycle. And so how do you get out of that? And as we're talking about trauma, it's, and I hate to say this, fortunately and unfortunately, it's learning to sit with yourself Mm -hmm, and learning to understand what is actually causing the pain. And so when I work with clients, I always say, you're going to become an archaeologist of your own life. You're going to become a discoverer of your own life. And I like to make things fun. I like to make fun of and I don't know about you, Dr. Espen, but I was made fun of when I was in school and it was not a good thing. So we have a negative association when someone says making fun of. Now, if you think of the word fun, well, fun is light, it's joy. There's good vibrations with it. Mm-hmm. So I like to make fun of sort of serious topics, bringing light to them. So instead of it being, okay, I'm doing this thing I don't like, Right. I've gone, I've binged, I've emotionally eaten, I've drank, I've done whatever. Okay. Great. You did that. So what? Let's actually go to the cause of the pain. Okay. So you were in pain. Okay. What was the catalyst the moment before mm-hmm. that you went and did the thing? And then at that point, because notice we've taken away the judgment when there's judgment judgment and shame will ruin you. Mm -hmm. So when we come at it from a place of a little bit more fun, a little bit more playful, it doesn't need to be so serious. We can go and start to understand, oh, well, actually I was at my parents' house and, you know, my mom said something that triggered me. Okay. What was that? And so notice that instead of it being that you're a bad person or you need more willpower you kind of start to work backwards. And as you do that, you'll start to notice patterns and the patterns will then lead you to understand what the actual trauma is that needs to be healed.
1: Oh, lovely. And so again, cause and effect, one of the 12 universal laws, what started the issue and what is the pattern? If you can see the pattern, you can see what is creating. I love this. And you know, you talk about shame on the Hawkins scale of consciousness that vibrates at 20, guilt, 30, Joy, you mentioned healing through joy at 540. So these are two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. And I can see how certainly this will be very pertinent for, well, as you mentioned, and I love how you kind of it over to some and then going actually to every person that is overweight or has, you know, in this instance, a chronic health concern because it's always going to come down to that or at least be directly related to it. This is amazing. So if you're watching and listening right now, take a mental note. And let's maybe not use the word trauma in too much of a context, but when did it start for you? What was the event or the situation that created some of these patterns and habits? And of course, if you're not sure, know that there is always a cause to be an effect. That means that even if you may not be aware of it right now, it, there is always something there to explore. Perhaps sitting in meditation or reaching out to Nikki or the team could be, uh, could be a good way to kind of get to the bottom of this. So Nikki, what are some of the things that you see? So let's say now the person is, I would say, vulnerable and authentic enough to realize that if they have patterns, thoughts, emotions, habits in their life, where they would like to change, where they're realizing that they are, quote unquote, escaping or giving themselves a temporary, you know, oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine type fix from addictions, vices, habits, or whatever it might be. Once we've now firstly taken the step of, okay. I understand that there is a cause to this and we've started at least opening the mind, the unconscious mind, the subconscious mind to where and when it might have started, what would be the next step for a person to take after that? I mean, I would imagine that would be action related. What would you say to someone out there honest enough to acknowledge that one, they do have some things that could change and two, they're ready to make that change?
0: I love what you just said is the second part, I mean, of everything you just said, I agree with. And the second part was the recognition, but the desire, Mm -hmm. because there is no change without desire. And so 100% of human beings have something that they're dealing with right now. And I don't know like who's listening right now, what it is your life. 100% of the time during the course of our lifetime we'll be going through something. And I'll give a really quick analogy before I answer your question. So the way that I teach a lot of this work is I love analogies. And the reason is that our mind, we remember things not through words, but through pictures. So I call it the spiritual onion. And on the spiritual onion, we have the outermost layers that for And I'm not going to say man, woman. I'm going to say masculine, feminine energy because, of course, there are some women who are more masculine, some men who are more feminine. But on the outermost layer of this onion is for more feminine energy. I don't like my body and I'm fearful about not having a partner or I'm not in a relationship that I want. So they base their self worth on those two things my body and relationship. Now, the more masculine energy bases their value as a human being in this world on my career, my money, right? Mm -hmm. How much money do I have? What's my career status? And so I work with people, men, women of all ages to start going through this onion. And what happens as you go through the onion is if you've ever chopped an onion, the outermost layers They don't taste as good, but they also don't make you cry as much. It's when you start getting into those inner more layers, that's where all the tears come because it's more compact, more intense. So it's smaller, but intense. So it's actually really easy to get past the outer layer. The next layer that we go into is fear of failure. Mm -hmm. 100% of people have that. Doesn't matter, man, woman, alien, like whatever you identify as, we all have that. Now, when you get to the core of the spiritual onion is fear of success. And that's because fear of success is what if I actually have the thing that I want, then what? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Will I be happy? And so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: right, we start to self-sabotage when we get to that innermost layer of like, oh, well, I have the relationship, but oh, is this really what I want? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, the mind starts to come up with all of these different things. And so The reason that I put that out there for that analogy is because one, it's just recognizing where you are on the spectrum of the spiritual onion. But two, do you want to actually make a change? Do you want to get past the things that are holding you back? And so, as you were talking about, and you know, like with everything that we've gone over so far, I want people to understand as well. And this is where I'm going to, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a therapist. And I teach a lot of similar things, but where I'm going to differ a little bit is from therapy. You want, like, they have you go and find what's the original root cause of, you know, the trauma that you're facing. So your emotional eating today or why you can't lose weight today is like, okay, well, that's, you know, tied back to when I was seven and X, Y, Z happened. What I like to say is that doesn't matter. The reality of it is that it happened you can't go back and change it. And there's no point in going back to relive it. And that's what the conscious mind does is the ego mind is it tries to go back and relive these things and bring them into present so that it's protecting you. So rather than trying to find the root cause of it, I like to take people through an exercise of what was the catalyst that happened Right before you did the thing that you don't like. So let's say you just went and you binged, or you just went and you took a bunch of shots, or you went out, or you spent a lot of money online, Amazon, click, click, click. What was the thing that happened before that? Because the root cause of it, we can go there and we do in my program, uh, the Ultimate Transformation Program. But really, it's getting clear on what are these little micro triggers or mm-hmm. catalysts so that you can start to recognize patterns. And actually, I'll give you an example. In my group right now, just received a message in the WhatsApp chat that we have with everyone. And one of the women said, I started, you know, today I'm feeling better, but this weekend had a really bad weekend, XYZ, XYZ. And so I said, what was the catalyst as to why you're not feeling good right now? And just from asking her that, she was like, oh, well, actually I was with my mom and I don't understand like why no one else gets triggered. I was really frustrated. And then we went to dinner and we were sitting in this place and I didn't like it. And then my food was cold, but I decided not to send it back. Right, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. And what I say is the most important thing that I will ever teach someone is how you act and react because you cannot control external circumstances. We like to control it, But when you take a step back, the only thing that you really can control is how you act, how you react. And so what she recognized just from me asking a few questions was, oh, I got really frustrated because of all these different things, which led me down the spiral, the emotional vibration chart, and I got to lower vibrations. And so rather than it being, you know, something that happened 15 years ago, it's like, oh, That was the catalyst that got me to start feeling shitty. If that all resonates. And so I really just want people to understand like, yes, you can go do years and years of therapy, but I really would encourage someone to look at what was the thing before. So I know in my past when I had two eating disorders and when I would go and binge, very often I would have a photo shoot, let's say for swimsuits the night before. Oh boy, oh boy, did I go binge. Mm -hmm. Now, why is that? I'm sure there's some stuff about my parents. I'm sure there's stuff from my childhood. But really in that moment, when we go back to that spiritual onion, I was actually scared of my own success. And so knowing that that was coming up and I was essentially sabotaging myself because of that fear, that's far more important than whatever happened in my childhood.
1: Mm. I totally feel and see this. I wonder how much of this comes from a lack of self-worth or a lack of self-love in terms of your fear of not being good enough. Actually, then my fear is to be successful because what if I get successful and I'm not good enough? What are your thoughts?
0: Yes. So I'm not good enough. I love this conversation. (laughs) There's two big things that all human beings deal with. And we're typically on the scale of either one or the other. I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the, I'm not good enough category, typically, and what I've found, I have not studied this empirically researched it, but this is just based on a lot of clients and my own research. If you have the, I'm not good enough, you tend to go into the more masculine category. Mas- now yeah. me as Nikki Sharp. That is, I have definitely fallen, or my majority of my life, I've been more in the masculine category. Let me prove myself
1: kind of thing. Let me show that I'm worthy.
0: Exactly. Now, why is that? Because there's something from childhood that said that I didn't feel seen by my parents. And so then it goes into, well, maybe... I'm just not good enough. So let me prove how good I am. So that's always, you know, lingering in the back. So here's where we kind of tie it together is the, I'm not good enough ties into more masculine energy. So Mm -hmm. a female, a woman, absolutely. And I deal with a lot of clients like this who are in this category, women who are in their masculine, very driven, very focused, want to succeed, have a more avoidant attachment style, all trying to prove a point to mom or dad or someone from childhood. Mm -hmm. Now you have the other category, which is I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of this relationship. That tends to go into the wounded feminine and men can definitely go into the wounded feminine as well, which goes into the anxious attachment style. And that's because they just didn't feel seen or loved. And so both sides of this, we want the same thing. We want to be loved and accepted exactly as we are. But the manifestations and actualizations of how we act are completely different. So in one sense, you have someone who goes into more anxious attachment style, more wounded feminine. The other, you have more avoidant attachment style, more masculine. Now, Mm -hmm. what I would add to that is when you can learn to control the ego, you can actually make that work for you. So I was living in my masculine for years and years and years. And then I realized- when I go in my masculine, that was actually out of fear, a scarcity mindset. So that's partially what was driving me. Now that I'm more conscious about things, I can tap into the masculine in that conscious way and then use it to help me. And the same goes that if you're tapping into like the wounded feminine, I'm not saying that one should do that, but there are times and places that we can tap into it consciously. And I know I've got, I'm, I'm throwing out so many different concepts here. I hope this, this is, is all making
1: sense. This is gold. Keep going. Gold. Oh
0: my goodness. I also like feel for someone who's listening and they're like, wait, what is Nikki talking about? Like there's masculine attachment styles. And it's just, this is the work that I do with clients to help you understand where you're at. And the key point, I think I want to say of all of this is wherever you're at right now is perfect. It's exactly where you're supposed to be. You don't need to be anywhere else. And we love to compare ourselves. Thank you, Instagram. Thanks for letting me know about everyone Mm -hmm. else doing all these cool things. Mm -hmm. And in comparison, right, is on the lower vibration scale. And what I actually find really interesting about the vibration scale is boredom is the thing, the catalyst of you can either go up or you can go down really quickly. And so- just recognizing that if you have some sort of trauma, if you have some sort of quote unquote pain, if you're doing any sort of behavior that you don't like, that feels shameful, taking a step back, becoming that discover, just like, what was the thing right before? Did I get a text message from someone that kind of pissed me off? Or did my nervous system not feel okay? And we could go into that too. Mm -hmm. And just starting to, look at yourself a little bit, like distancing yourself from the actual experience will help you move through it a lot quicker.
1: This is really, really imperative. You know, when you talk about going back to the trauma and, you know, how many therapists and people and so-called specialists, psychologists, psychiatrists around the world do that with the pattern that I've seen with a lot of the flawed uh, issues in the model. And so much of you speak of, you know, uh, is human behavior. Is that often in the old paradigm, you would, you know, sit with a psychologist and talk about how you were a victim of what happened at seven and poor you and so on. So the aspect that I take of it is I ask my students, you know, what do you believe either scenario one, that you're only flesh and bone, that you're only the body, you know, and its senses or two, that you're a spirit or a soul. And 99% of our students will say, yeah, I'm definitely more than just the physical, I'm consciousness, I'm whatever they choose to word it as. And then I ask the question, well, since you cannot, as you mentioned, Nikki, change the past, what if we change the meaning? What if this happened for you rather than to you? What if this comes with spiritual benefits? What if this comes with you know, the test that you wanted to achieve or experience in the human realm so that you can become who you're destined to become. And that may not be in alignment with everyone's belief, even though the absolute majority of our students say, yep, I'm all for it. It totally makes sense. I can change the meaning, so I can't change my life. But here we're going another step deeper. And you're actually, if you guys are picking this up, I would go back and listen to this interview again because what I'm hearing is you've got the masculine, you've got the feminine, we all own all traits. We all have the masculine and the feminine, but often one side is going to be unintegrated or compensating for a pattern trauma issue. And I'm loving how the specific manifestation of this trauma, be it man or woman, either we both have masculine, feminine would come out if you have an issue with the feminine, so this style, if you have a more unintegrated or trauma with the masculine, it'll come out in that way. So in essence, if we were to take that expanded awareness, Nikki, what I'm observing from what you're teaching, which I absolutely love, and may I just say, you know, you're not a therapist, you're not at this, you're not at that, but what I'm hearing, and this is why coaching and why transformation is getting such results around the world, because in my hypothesis anyway, and I used to hire professional mental experts on this, you know, quote unquote, but this stuff I feel gets much better results because you're really getting to that essence of why you do what you do. So I want to ask when you look at this from the masculine and feminine aspect, what I'm almost seeing in my mind is like, there's a a way where people can answer a series of questions to kind of get to why they're doing what they're doing? What are your thoughts on that? Do you have a way to audit that? You mentioned the masculine and the feminine, how they would come out or be demonstrated within that. How do you go about this when people enter your programs? How do they find out what the issues are and how to deal with them?
0: Absolutely. I want to backtrack really quickly because you said two things that I want to touch on. One, just about, I love therapy. I have a therapist myself. I think that everyone need someone greater than them to help you see what you can't see Mm -hmm. or what you don't want to see. And so whether it's a coach, a therapist, a mentor, we all need someone to help us see the things that we maybe don't want to see or that we can't see. Now, when it comes to at least like the work that I teach, the Ultimate Transformation Program, every single time I do this program, Time and time again, from almost every single person, they say four months has been better than 10, 15, 20 years of therapy. Mm -hmm. And some of my clients are 60 years old and they say that. And now why is that? Because someone like me and like you, we're taking so many different modalities yes. and helping you understand that it's not just about the one thing or the talk therapy or the this or the that. It's an enmeshment of all these different tools that are going to work and they do work, right? And and it's also so important to find someone that, one, you resonate with, but two, is living, breathing proof of the work. And like, as I said, I am my Greatest and worst client. I was my worst client. I'm now my own greatest client. And so I test everything on myself and I'm living the life that I am living because of the work that I teach. And I know that it works because I was in a place of nothing was working in my life. I was a hypochondriac. I was a victim to life. Like you name it, I went through it. I didn't know how to set boundaries. I was a victim to the world. And the other thing that I wanted to mention, which you talked about, is the meaning that we assign. To mm-hmm. things And it's so interesting because also in my ultimate transformation program today, literally like today, I'm going to read you something. <laughs> I sent this to the group and I said fear. So oh. the word fear, it's F-E-A-R. So there's different meanings that you could associate to it. Fear, false evidence appearing real. There's another one, fear, fuck everything and run. There's another one, face everything and recover. There's another one, Hmm. face everything and rise. And so what I had said was choose your meaning. This is why it's important to understand your definitions of words and values, because we can take the word fear. And for most people, it's like, oh, I'm fearful of this, i.e. the pain. So I have pain. I'm fearful. I'm dying or this or whatever it might be. And most people will hide from the fear. They'll hide from the pain whereas if you take the other thing which is false evidence appearing real it gives it a different meaning so that oh interesting i'm scared maybe it's not so bad so i just wanted to add that before answering the question because what you're asking is if i heard it correctly is what to do next right like when yes. you understanding all of these things like what's the next step and so one i always have join my program because there's a whole like list of things that I, I have people do. But what I ask people to do is get clear on what's the area of your life that you want change the most, i.e. It's going to be the area that you feel like you've done everything and you're burnt out. You're not seeing results and you're starting to give up. You're losing hope. So whenever I ask someone, okay, what area are you losing hope in? It's like, oh, you know, my body, I've tried everything. So I never talk about food or exercise for the first two months of my program. We don't even go there. We don't talk about it because as we started off, the food you eat has nothing to do with the food you eat. Rather, a very, very simple exercise for everyone listening to do is on a piece of paper or in your mind on a scale of one to 10, 10 being super high, one being really low. Where's your stress? One to 10. Most people, if I ask, six, seven, eight, a lot of times nine. Okay. Where's your joy on a scale of one to 10? Ooh. And there's a direct correlation of if you have high stress, you have low joy. And I can guarantee that whatever result you want, whether it's a promotion, more money, better house, relationship, lose weight, if your stress is high and your joy is low, automatically, you're not going to be seeing the results. Why is that? Well, we take a step back. Now we're going to tie in the nervous system. If your stress is high, you're living in your sympathetic nervous state. What is your sympathetic nervous state? It's fight or flight. So your body is constantly, all day long, like anytime we get a text message, a ding, a notification, your body is in fight or flight. And, and this has been you know, research backed over and over and over again. And what do we do the first thing when we wake up? we all look at our phone. Oh my God, all the emails must respond now. Mm -hmm. And so we're keeping ourselves at a place of that sympathetic nervous system. Now, why is that a problem? Because when we're in that state, our cortisol rises. So as a woman, for example, if you have weight that you're carrying around your midsection or around your thighs or around your butt, that is because you have high cortisol. If you have high cortisol, that is because your conscious mind is stressing about your to-dos, the things, all the stuff that I need to, I should, I have to. Now, when your cortisol is high, it's good in small doses. So I'll give it another analogy. You have a deer and a lion sees the deer. The deer goes into that sympathetic state cortisol rises. So what happens when cortisol rises? All of the blood leaves your stomach, goes to your extremities so that you can basically run from danger. And when the deer escapes the lion, what it does is it starts to shake.
1: I teach and exactly sh- the same thing. It's like, <laughs> yeah, shaking medicine. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so it's just like animals do this all the time. They mm. shake. And so it's releasing... That excess energy, because cortisol, again, is energy. If we don't release it, it gets stored in the body. Ladies, it gets stored at your tummy. So it's good in small doses, but the problem is in today's day, day and age, modern day and age, we are living in that stress state all the time. Now, when the blood leaves your stomach and it goes to your extremities because you're in this state of fight or flight or freeze, whatever food you are eating, It doesn't matter how healthy it is. You are not going to digest it and assimilate the nutrients. So even if you're eating the perfect diet with the perfect amount of calories, and this happens all the time with my clients, and they're like, I ate perfectly, but I haven't lost any weight. Yeah. Well, that's because you've been in your stress state. And so that's when I tie it back to on a scale of one to 10, if your stress is high, notice that whole tangent I went on, versus if your joy is high, I can already tell that you are in a place of rest and digest, i.e. the parasympathetic nervous system. That's where blood goes to your stomach so that you can naturally digest and assimilate these beautiful nutrients that your body needs. So this is why so many people go to Europe, for example, and they're eating the cheese and the bread and all the quote unquote bad things. Well, no, they're not bad. You're just in a state of joy of relaxation. And Mm -hmm. so your body did the thing that it's meant to do which is digest food. Therefore you didn't get bloated. And so what I work with on clients, honestly, the quickest thing and the easiest way to start seeing results is stop focusing on the food. Stop focusing on all these things. Focus on number one, sleep. Sleep is the most untalked about thing. It's far more important than anything else. So focus on your sleep, put your damn cell phone away at night, put it on airplane mode, put it in another room and when you're sitting down for meals, knife and fork, put your phone away, step away from the laptop. And so many times clients are like, but I can't, but really you can't, are you going to get fired? if you- yeah. And, and that goes back to the fear of if I don't sit here and work during my lunch, which by the way, legally is mandatory that you take a lunch. The fear is I'm going to get fired or I'm not going to do enough work. So see how we're kind of tying in all the yeah. different things. And this is why. If you're not seeing results, it's not just like a one thing, like, let me try this new diet. Well, let's just start to piece together a few of these things. And this is why clients who come to me see such like insane results, because imagine this, you know, I've been talking your ear off for the past, I don't know, like 40 minutes. Now imagine four months of exercises and things like this and really learning about your digestive system and stress and sleep. I mean, transformation is entirely possible and it doesn't happen by a new diet.
1: I totally agree. This is absolutely brilliant. So everybody, if you haven't done this already, go ahead and pause this interview now and go and write down stress one to 10, joy one to 10, and be honest with yourself and then reflect. And this is interesting, Nikki, because I actually did a clinical trial on this for myself. Back in the day, I had a big savior complex the wounded masculine part of me was that I don't feel good enough to be a coach and worldwide known and this and that. And so I was compensating by working really hard and living in fight or flight a lot. And at the moment, at the time I was running four clinics. I was practicing in two. I was also competing in WBFF, you know, men's fitness figure in America. I came fifth in LA. But what was interesting was I did for 10 years, I was measuring my testosterone levels and of course, this is relevant to females as well in terms of your hormone levels, because that has a major impact on our overall health. And I was trying everything and I'm a vivid biohacker. So I was checking everything. I was measuring, you know, all of my blood, hair, stool, saliva, my sleep, you name wow. it, everything, attrition on point, like purpose on point, everything, but because I was overcompensating too much in the masculine from the feeling of not being good enough, having the savior complex, wanting to help people to make myself feel better, which obviously, as you mentioned in your story, takes a while to kind of work out. But now, retrospectively, we can look back and reflect and think, aha. Uh-huh. I see the pattern. So what I realized, Nikki, which was really interesting, I tried everything for 10 years, including regular blood tests to be able to look at the hormone levels, my testosterone levels. And the only thing, because I was looking at this going, this can't be right. I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm fit, I'm on purpose. I eat super clean. I exercise regularly. I meditate, la, 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 la. Not as much as I needed to back then. The issue was cortisol. The issue was stress. And I'm talking 10 years in the peak age, if you will, and the thing that got my testosterone from average being low, lower than average for my age, which should have never happened with the way I was, you know, like I said, eating and exercising, to what it needs to be. And now in my 40s, I'm, my testosterone is much higher than in my early 30s. Peak performance at that level was tapping into the parasympathetic, rest and digest, God flow system, really nailing that first, everything else fell in place. So I could not support what you're saying more. This is very critical. And, and again, guys, do that exercise, score yourself. And I think reach out to Nikki, if you have any questions, I'm really loving this.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing I'll add just for someone who, if, if, you know, you're listening and you're like, okay, like what am I one to 10 on stress, one to 10 on joy? The next thing that I would ask you to do is write down what are the things in your life today that are bringing you stress? What are the things in your life today that bring you joy? And again, another direct correlation that I see, and I can guarantee if you have high stress, it's that you're scheduling and doing the things that actually bring you more stress and you're not scheduling and not doing the things that bring you joy. And this is just human nature where we're like, yeah, I mean, I like to go for walks. I like going to restaurants, but we don't schedule it. We just think we're going to naturally do it. The same happens with sex. And I've studied with some of the best sex and relationship and Tantra experts in the world. And every single one of them says, you actually need to schedule sex because Mm -hmm. what happens is we're like, yeah, of course I'm gonna, you know, Get funky in the bed sheets, but or getting jiggy in the whatever, <laughs> getting jiggy with it. But it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Yeah. But what do we schedule? Well, we schedule doctor's appointments and we schedule kids things. And suddenly, it's like, oh, I'm driving the kid here, 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 here. And it's like, but what have you done for yourself today to make you yeah. feel good? Mm-hmm. And so that would be the secondary part to that question is what are the things you're scheduling right now and doing? So what brings you stress and look at your calendar and then what brings you joy and look at your calendar. And it's just like micro changes that I want people to do, but that in of itself, if you did nothing else, if you took away nothing else from this podcast and you just did that one thing, you would already start to see massive shifts in your life
1: hmm And of course, then the, the aspect of that is you don't manifest, as the late great Dr. Wendy said, you don't manifest what you want. You manifest what you are vibrationally. So when you're vibrating from stress, what are you calling in? Your relationship. What are you calling in in terms of money? What are you calling in in terms of health? What are you calling in in terms of fulfillment, quality of life? So people, I think, really start to get that now that if I want to live a magnificent life, I have to. And it's not like maybe sometimes I have to put myself first have the things in my life that bring me joy i love that you mentioned the sex part because i can just see the standard couple and you know pardon me from generalizing but you know sex from time to time not planned it happens and it's short and it's not passionate and it's not by design or whatever i really see that being being part of the issue so again pause this interview Please go and write down exactly what that would look like for you. Where in your life, by the 168 hours that you've been blessed with every week, where are you going to do the things that bring you joy? I think that's absolutely amazing. What's your thought on the whole quantum side? Let's just spin it. So, you know, as I said, being in clinic for years and doing all the physical stuff and nutrition stuff, I've got a background in nutrition. We saw great results, fine. But it's not until we started working with consciousness, with breath work, with meditation, with the understanding of who and what we are. What's your two cents worth on that from a spiritual view? What's your take on the importance of spiritual well being in someone's life to have that integrated masculine, feminine, and achievement and fulfillment, or whatever they might be seeking?
0: I think it is the core essence of life at the end of the day. Now, I believe most people are not there yet. So what I teach is a little bit of an amalgamation of psychology, neuroscience, and spirituality. Because what I find is that there's so many teachers out there that, yeah, like, let's talk about quantum physics and you and I could like jam on this all day long. But the majority of people are living in their day-to-day lives. And it's like, Right. But like, okay, yeah, sure. Maybe I believe in God or this, but like, why does bad things happen to kids or why is, you know, the war happening? And so the human mind, not the subconscious, the conscious mind, which is only 5% of our brain Mm -hmm. doesn't comprehend what it doesn't understand. Now the conscious mind doesn't understand very much at all. And so, (laughs) you know, if you take a step back and this was a huge journey for me, at least I grew up in a family of atheists, pretty much like we didn't go to church. My dad is very much like a science, math guy, really, really smart. That was that. It was just kind of like, well, I don't know. There's it is what it is. There's nothing or maybe you're, you know, who knows? And so then I started questioning being like, well, how can there be a God if all of these atrocities are happening? And -hmm. then as I started to get older and I started to go through my own healing journey of my two eating disorders and body dysmorphia. And I mean, like you name, whatever it is, I've basically gone through and felt the feelings, the emotions. And I started to recognize that there was something greater than me. Now for many, many years, I couldn't say the word God. Cause I'm like, well, I don't believe in, you know, God, Jesus, whatever. And then I started to have this deeper understanding of the universe, mm-hmm. right? There's stars, there's planets, and as I kept going deeper and deeper into my own journey, I started going down a rabbit hole and I went down a real fascinating life. Yeah. And I continue, I continue to go through it. And I started learning about souls and our ages and past life regression and all of these different things. And then having some mind blowing experiences. Like I've never done ayahuasca and I had a, essentially an ayahuasca like trip with no drugs, no alcohol, no nothing. Like full on, holy moly, And so, you know, when you start going through things like that, the mind starts to be like, okay, like, what the fuck just happened there? And so I kept an online kind of journal diary that I hope to turn into a book sooner than later. And like to the point where like one day I went into my own brain and I saw the synapses firing and I was like, how? Now, if you ask me right here, right now, Nikki, to describe what it is, I don't know all the terminology, The day after, though, I wrote all of these things and I was like, oh, and the hippocampus, and it looked like this in the prefrontal cortex. And I'm like, huh? Like it's as if, you know, the two different brains or the soul, or I don't even know because my mind itself, I'm like, the limbic system, I don't really, like me, Nikki Sharp, I don't really know, but I wrote it in detail. And then I looked afterwards and I'm like, huh? And so, I started to have a greater understanding of this. And I share this as my own experience because I come from a background of not believing anything of this. Now, the deeper I got into this rabbit hole, I started to recognize that I could read people's energy. And I actually like had this deep sense of knowing. So then I went into the five clairs and I'm like, oh, I'm cognizant, claircognizant, empath. How interesting. And so because I've been coming at everything from, curiosity rather than a need to know, or it needs to be explained. Like I need to know what this means. Rather, I actually have the word trust tattooed on my ring finger and I have the word joy tattooed on my ankle. And I also have a heart on my wrist, do all things with love, trust and focus on joy. And the last one I have um, stars on my wrist here and all of that, it's kind of like everything combined of, I have no bloody idea what's going on in this lifetime. No, no idea. But what I do know is that every single challenge that I've personally faced, I've always come out on top. I've always managed to figure out a way. I've never been broken, desolate on the streets, right? Which we all have a fear of. I've never had the problems that my mind creates. So the mind that creates the problem is also the mind that's trying to find the solution. It doesn't work. And so I've personally learned that Not only do I have to, but I want to believe in something greater. And I'm right now today, as we record this, going through a astronomical challenge, tough time in my life, like astronomical. And I have just completely let go. And I'm like, I'm just going to trust that things are working out. Now, does that mean that I'm not putting action in? No, it's the balance between putting action in while also trusting that you are supported. And so the whole thing on like manifestation which drives me nuts when all these teachers are like well you know put yourself in the high vibration and you'll manifest there's a story I like to tell of man one day decides he wants to win the lottery so he says to god praise I want to win the lottery next day praise want to win the lottery you know day after day after day one month goes by he doesn't win the lottery one year goes by he doesn't win the lottery two years goes by finally he says god what the fuck i didn't win the lottery I'm supposed to believe in you. And God, his voice comes and says, my son, you have to buy a ticket. And so that's oh, well, kind of it. the whole, that's the action piece, right? It's like, yes, put yourself in the vibration. Yes. Trust. Yes. Believe. Yes. Do things from love and of service and focus on joy and you do have to have a little bit of that action piece in it in order to manifest. Now, here's the fun part. The universe gives you what you need, not what you want. So if you can let go and you put the seeds of desire of what I want out there, the universe will give you exactly that, but not the way you thought it was going to come. And right now, this is what's happening in my life. And my friend, like every day she writes me and she's like, I do not understand how you are manifesting things so ridiculous, like literally Within hours, I'm manifesting things every day, something new, but they never are coming the way that I thought they would. And that's the cool part is I've just let go. And I'm like, well, it's happening the way that it's happening. So I might as well just enjoy the ride, mm-hmm. i.e. I'm living in a high state of joy, a low state of stress.
1: Beautiful. And I think the word tattooed on your left hand, trust, trust summarizes this really beautifully the trust that you are guided every step of the way and I think it's fair to say that most people every single person watching and listening will go through challenges in their life and I think that piece is absolutely critical hey I've got one last question that I'd love to ask straight off the cuff you ready yep okay I want you to imagine now Nikki that you're on the world stage and there's billions of people and they've all gathered they're all present they're all fully there. And they're eager and excited to hear the message that Nikki Sharp has to the world at this time. When you're ready, take a breath and then share with us what's your message to the world.
0: The results that you want in life, you will never see unless you can have compassion for yourself. That's it.
1: Let it sink in. Power pause. This is brilliant. Comes back to the whole self-love piece <laughs> as well. Oh my gosh, let it sink in, breathe with it. Awesome. Hey, before we segue, if you've got pen and paper, everybody, let's go. NikkiSharp.com. Instagram, Nikki Sharp, N-I-K-K-I, Sharp in one word. And I also want to drop this one. I think this is really important for people to go have a look. UltimateTransformationProgram.com. So that is UltimateTransformationProgram.com. Go and check it out. See what Nick is about. I think you've got the sense of this already. I think you've got the feel. And for those of you who didn't and haven't already, go back and listen to this interview again. Pause it. Do the exercises. It's like you're getting a free coaching session from the two of us here at the same time. Go and write out the things. Score yourself in fear and in joy, one to 10. Look at the masculine and feminine. Look at which are the wounds and the way you're showing up in the world is you know could be seen and what the expression of the wind might be etc cetera, etc cetera. Nikki this has been phenomenal I want to just check in before we segue is there anything else that you'd like to share anything else that you'd like to speak
0: about oh I mean I could talk for hours <laughs> I, <laughs> and we as great said I <laughs> I'm, I'm so incredibly passionate about all of this because I come from a place of not knowing or understanding or believing in anything that I'm teaching. Mm. And I think that's why I have the passion that I do because the challenges, the hardships, like I have people look at me and yeah, sure. Okay. Tall, pretty blonde, looks like she has this great life. And I do i have created it. I have created this life that I love. I come from an incredibly challenging background and, you know, I'm the first person to say, I don't believe half the shit that I'm talking about. Only I believe it now because I've been there, I've done it, I've experienced it, I've lived it, I've transformed. And now I've gotten to do that with, I mean, thousands of people across the globe. And I want to just really, really quickly explain what I mean by the, you will not see results if you don't have compassion for yourself. This is something in, in my Ultimate Transformation program where I say, if you take nothing else from this four months, it's to have compassion for yourself. Because when you don't, and you beat yourself up, you're going to continue the cycle. You're going to be judging yourself, guilt, shame, which keeps you on these lower vibrations. When you're in these lower vibrations, you're going to be in a state of stress. When you're in a state of stress, your cortisol goes up. When your cortisol goes up, you gain weight. You can't lose weight. When your cortisol is up and all these things are happening, your libido goes down, testosterone, right? that's when you get acne. All, like All of these things that people want to see changes in their life happen when We're in that sympathetic nervous system. And that is attributed to if you're in guilt and shame and beating yourself up, you will never see the results you want. Whereas if you can have some compassion for yourself and say, wow, I just ate like an entire pint of ice cream and a pizza and X, Y, Z, or like, I just went shopping and I feel really guilty. Stop yourself there and just say, it's okay. I accept myself. I'm doing the best I can. Mm-hmm. that immediately will stop the the downward spinning and cycle. And so it's, you know, I, I understand that it's obviously like easier, quote unquote, said than done, but it, it does, it takes practice. I'm living, breathing proof of this because I came from rock bottom in every single area of my life to being where I'm at and being so incredibly passionate. And so it's like, I know that being like, Oh great. There's this girl and she's talking about like, what the fuck like being compassionate. It's like, no, really like really be compassionate with yourself because the thing you've been doing, I want you to ask yourself, has that actually been working?
1: Mm. And where does it come from? Or what's the feeling? What's the experience underneath it? I love it. Nikki, thank you so much for your time. Again, Nikki sharp on Instagram, check out the program, check out the website, Nikki sharp.com. And again, please do. If you found value in this interview, go ahead and share this with as many people as you can, because it only takes one share to one person to hear this about self-compassion, about love, about trauma, about transformation, and so on, to make a shift, to make a change. So please go ahead and share this interview. Nikki, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. That was an awesome conversation. I think we should do this again at some point.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Espen. It, I mean- Absolutely, could jam out, and we will definitely do this again. I think awesome. with the next round, let's do a a Q and A and see what questions people have, and then we can do a rapid fire answer.
1: Excellent point. Okay, so if you're listening, watching to this, you've already got gone back in time, written out the questions and the answers, right? And even if you haven't, here's the key: What would you like to learn? What questions do you have? We'll accumulate the questions, we'll write it up, and we'll see if we get Nikki back online. Thank you so much, Nikki. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to the next one. Thank you. once again thank you so much for listening and if you want to learn more about how to walk the quantum path into life mastery business mastery uh, if you want to learn more about our live events or coaching or anything that we offer go to www.drespen.com that's drespe com, or email info at drespen.com and let's find out how we can help you take your life your business and your mission to a whole nother level we'll see you next time